Bell. Praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 21. If you'll go there today, Revelation chapter 21. I know I'm skipping over a lot here, and I'm um, wanting to come to this chapter. I've been praying the last several days, and um, today, today I just felt the Lord wants me to preach on heaven today. And we're already in the book of Revelation. We're talking about end times prophecy. And so I'm going to skip way ahead from where we're at. And, and this does not conclude our series. Um, I just want to just minister to our church today. Sometimes, sometimes in preaching as a pastor, I, I'll preach messages to um, just to... Uh, preaching through books of the Bible and some of the things that we preach. It's for information. It helps us grow in Christ. It's for application. Sometimes like a message I'm going to preach today is as just a pastor type message to uh, help a church through times of uh, difficulty. And um, I always, always want to be sensitive, always want to be sensitive to what God is doing in our church and what our church is going through. I understand that uh, this time of year is is just a, a wonderful time of year. I I love the Christmas season. I absolutely love it. But I also know this: there's many that go through this season, and there's people that are missing. And the 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 holidays, Thanksgiving into the Christmas season, it just reminds them that somebody is missing. This past week, the week of Thanksgiving, there was two funerals that I. Uh, Lord allowed me to um, uh, just officiate over, and then this week there'll be two more funerals in our church, Tuesday and Wednesday. <clears throat> and I have sat with families that uh, that uh, just are mourning, that are hurting. I'm sitting with families and ministering to these families, and and I know it sounds so cliche at the moment when we're going through sorrows. But thank God for heaven. Thank God that what we're singing about and what we're doing and the life we're living on this earth, there's more to it, church. It's not that we just live this life and, and die. If that were the case, every time you passed a cemetery, you would just see that's it. That would make life so miserable. It would make life so hopeless. It would, um, what joy would we have here knowing that whatever we have here, life we have here, once this is it, that's all. But that's not the case. For those that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, we have an eternity. I love to sing. I love to sing for one very reason. I believe this is because when we get to heaven, we're going to be singing and praising the Lord. We're going to take a deep breath and we're going to do it for another 10,000 years. When we see our Savior face to face, we are going to rejoice. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in a presence of a host of angels, angelic voices around the throne, worshiping and praising our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? Boy, I long for that day. And I long for heaven. 
Look with me in Revelation chapter number 21, verse number 9. The Bible says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had seven vials full of, seven, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. You know who that is? That's you and it's me. It's the church. And he carried me away into the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. The angel said to John, I'm going to give you a guided tour. I'm going to show you this place called heaven. And as I was studying this and began to read through this passage of Scripture and, and, and preparing this message more for the end of this series, I, uh, uh, just with all the sorrow and all of the things that we've been going through, the heaviness of losing people, and, and if, you've, if you have been uh, looking at our prayer bulletin, it, it just seems like it just gets bigger and bigger and more and more people and, and more and more hurt and more and more sorrow, I came to this place and I was reading this passage of Scripture knowing that that at some point we're going to come to Revelation chapter number 21, and I was encouraged by this. He said this, verse number nine, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. John saw you and me in heaven. Well, that's wonderful. It's comforting. I want you to go with me to Colossians, if you would. Several passages of Scripture, we're, again, we're going to be in here today. Colossians chapter number 3, Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says this, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Those things are above. What is he saying there? Those things that are heavenly. He says, if you be risen with Christ, if you are saved, if, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you believe in the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what he's saying is if you are born again, seek those things which are above or those things that are heavenly where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Paul is telling the church at Colossae, he's speaking of heaven. He's revealing to the church there is a place called heaven. And in this place, he says, this is the place where Christ himself sitteth. And he says, I want you to set your affection there. That's what we're living for, church. That's where we're spending eternity, church. This is what our life is all about. One day, you and I are going to be with our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what life for the Christian's about. Matthew chapter number six, if you'll turn there with me, the book of Matthew chapter number six. Jesus writing this says this, but lay up your, yourselves, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's saying the same thing that Paul said to the church at Colossae, set your affection on things above, on things of heaven, lay up things, treasures, live for heaven is what he's saying, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Let, or lay, up, lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth, lay up them in heaven, where, where on earth moth and rust corrupt, but in heaven the moth and rust cannot corrupt. In earth, the treasures we lay upon this earth, thieves can break in and steal. I lived, we moved to Philadelphia when I was a young kid. 
elementary school. And um, I remember living in Philly and uh, our, uh, in, in Philly, it was nothing to have your home broken into. When we moved into to Philadelphia, we moved onto a street. On one street, Lee Street that we moved on, it had 75 row homes on one side of the street and 75 row homes on the other side of the street. You could, you could get on your roof, if you could get up on your roof, and um, I, I, I think my brother might have, I never would have done such a thing, but you could get up on your roof and you can literally walk the entire block on, on top of everybody's roofs. You get into your, there'd be an alleyway between everybody's backyards. I mean, you were, you were on top of each other. And it was easy and it was not uncommon that somebody would break into your house. And I remember as a young kid moving into the city and thinking to myself, somebody's going to break into our house. And I, I remember living in that fear. When we pastored in Georgia, I remember the alarm company called our house or our, our, uh, my cell phone. I was at the church and they said, um, you know, Mr. Rands, your alarm is going off at your house and it's a backdoor alarm. And I thought to myself, somebody is breaking into my home. If you've ever had a thief steal something, you feel so violated. If you've ever had someone take something that belonged to you, you feel so hopeless. You feel this violation. You're a victim. Somebody stole something that once belonged to you, and now it's, it's gone. I'll never forget that my father died in that very two or three months later was Thanksgiving, the week of Thanksgiving. My mom called me and she said, Jeremy, I can't believe it. I came home from teaching today and somebody kicked in the back door and they, and they, 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 they stole things out of the house. And, 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 and she said they stole CDs and I don't care about that. And she said they stole the TV and I don't care about that. She said, but they, they stole your dad's wedding ring and his driver's license. And she, this was after he had passed, and that driver's license didn't mean anything, and that wedding ring wasn't worth much, but it belonged to her. And she said, I, I don't care. They can keep everything. I just wish I could get those two things back because they reminded me of your father. And we live on an earth, and it's, if, if, if we live for the things of this earth, it could be all gone in a moment. Someone could come in and steal. Uh, uh, it could be gone in a moment. But the Bible says this, if you live for the things above, if you lay up treasures in heaven, those treasures in heaven, no thief can break through and steal. No thief. In church, I think you'd agree with this. We ought to live and to have heaven on our mind. We should live heavenly minded. Heaven should be in our heart. We ought to live because heaven is the place that we're going to spend eternity. I want you to go with me back to Revelation chapter 21. And church, I want you to see this. Would you mark this down someplace? Heaven is real. Heaven is not some fairy tale place. Heaven is not some mystical place. Heaven doesn't sit on some cloud someplace and some mystical place. And, and, and heaven is a real place. The Bible says this in verse number one of Revelation 21. And I saw 
a new heaven and a new earth. This is John speaking as he was taken and shown uh, the future, as he was penning these words. He says this with a surety, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We are going to have resurrected bodies and we are going to live in a real place. As a matter of fact, for sake of time, we won't go there, but John in John 14, 2, I believe Walter mentioned this in his prayer this morning. Jesus said this, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus promised us of this place. And the apostles didn't understand. And they were saying, if, if you're going to go, how are we going to know where you're going? And Jesus gave the clear path. He gave us the map. He said this to his apostles. Um, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said this, heaven is real. And I'm going there, and I'm going there with you on my mind. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And I'm going there before you get there so that I can receive you. Oh, but don't worry, I'm coming again for you. And his apostles, not understanding what he's saying, not understanding this, this new doctrine that he's teaching. And they said, how are we going to know? He says, I'm the way. I'm the way to this place. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Go with me to the book of Hebrews, if you would please. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number nine. The Bible says, by faith he sojourned. He's speaking of Abraham here. In the land of the promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. In verse number 10, look what the Bible says here of Abraham. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is of God. Here we find Abraham dwelt in tents. Abraham was kind of a, a, a just, just, just understanding, he was just sojourning here. That means this, he wasn't making a permanent home here on this earth. He never lived in a home that was built of stone, that had a foundation that he had laid. He was living here on this earth as someone that was just passing through because he was looking for a place and, and his eyes and his heart was on a place, the Bible says in verse number 10, this city is a city whose foundation, whose builder and maker is God. And I want you to understand something, church, all the way back to Abraham, all the way through the Bible, all the way through time, man has been looking for this promise and this promise is heaven. Heaven's real. Heaven's real. Abraham longed for this place. Jesus, the Bible tells us, ascended to this place. It's a real place. He rose from the grave and he sits at the right hand of his father in this place. In 2 Peter, would you go there with me? 2 Peter in the, Old, in the New Testament, 2 Peter in chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 10. The Bible says this, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 
Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all the holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Peter writes this, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Peter reminded us here, as he's writing here in this passage of Scripture, earth is going to be dissolved with fire. It's destined for fire. And God is going to make all things new. Heaven is real. Would you write this down, number two? Heaven is majestic. The Bible tells us heaven is real. The Bible also tells us in Revelation chapter number 21 that heaven is majestic. Now, church, I know we get excited and we love to hear about things like the tribulation. We love to hear all those end times events. I love to study those things and I love to hear of those things and I love to learn of those things. But listen to me, there are events that are going to take place in the book of Revelation that you and I aren't going to be here to experience. But in Revelation chapter 21, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to experience this. This is what our hope is. This is what our future is. Heaven is majestic. Look what John writes in verse number three. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Can you imagine the day that God is with us? And we're with him. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Oh, please write this in your heart someplace today and allow this to encourage you. The king rules in majesty in heaven. He's majestic. God is there with his people. God is there. Oh, there's been times, I'm sure, with you, and I know with me in my life, there's times I know God is there. I know he's there. But we live on this earth, and we don't see him. Now we see the fruit of him working. We sense the spirit of God. He speaks to us through his word. But I tell you, there's something about seeing someone, being with them. And all of us have struggled through this earth. All of us at times, I'm sure, have said, God, are you there? God, do you care? God, do you understand? In the sorrows of our life, at times we even question, and it's not that our faith is being questioned, but simply, God, are you really there? I've talked to people over the last couple weeks, and they just have said this, I just want to sense him. I just want to know he's there. Just give me something so I know you're there, God. Oh, listen to me, we're going to go to a place where we're going to see him. 
We're going to see him. We're going to be with him. He is going to be our God and we are going to be his people. And the Bible also tells us of this majestic place. In verse number four, this is a place where God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. Won't that be a wonderful place? I'm sure many of you are like me. You've come to a place at times in your life that you can't even cry any tears because you've shed so many tears. It's painful. He says there's no more death in this place. There's no more sorrow. There's no more sorrow. I'm looking forward to that day. I tell you, the hardest part of ministry, I believe, is the death when you're ministering to people. I sat with Earl this past Friday morning on the couch. Went to his house and Loray had already been taken out of their, uh, uh, her, her hospital bed there. And I just sat with Earl as he, as he just couldn't even talk. He just kind of just cried. And I said to Earl, I said, how are you doing? He says, I'm lonely. My best friend of 54 years is gone. There's sorrow. It seems like we spend much of our life in tears. We're born crying. We live crying. And we die crying. And there's coming a time when God is going to turn every tear into joy, church. There's coming a day in this place called heaven that God himself is going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. Can you imagine? I don't know how this is going to be. But I know that every single time one of my children have ever been hurt, they come running to their mom and dad. And I've done this as a parent, and I know you have as well. When your child comes to you in tears, you take your hand. You ever do that, parent? You just kind of take their tear and you wipe their tear away. And I don't know what it is, the comfort of a parent's hand or the comfort of a parent's embrace or the touch of a parent on that, that hurting child's face. It comforts them. It eases their pain. And this is what God says here. He wipes away the tears. No, he doesn't delegate this for angels to do. He doesn't delegate this for something else or someone else to do. He doesn't say that all those in heaven are going to wipe away each other's tears. This is something that shows the graciousness and the love of God for his children. We are going to have the God of gods. We are going to have the Lord of lords, the King of kings, he himself with his hand is going to wipe away every sorrow. Wipe away every tear. He's going to be there and he's going to comfort us. In this place called heaven, there's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more sorrow, John writes. There's going to be no more dying. There's going to be no more crying. There's not going to be another funeral in heaven. There's going to be no more death. And praise God, there's not going to be another disease. There's not going to be another cancer patient. There's not going to be another patient on a ventilator. There's no more disease. These things are all gone in heaven. There's no more sorrow. And the reason why there's no more sorrow in heaven, my friend, is because there's no more sin. Sin is not allowed into this place. 
Go with me to Revelation chapter 21, verse number eight. The Bible says, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall, be, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now I know this. I know we live in a day where we don't always like a hell, fire, and brimstone preaching. But I want to tell you something. Hellfire and brimstone's in the Bible. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your eternity is going to be hell, fire, and brimstone. It's not me that's saying it, it's God. And we've taken that away from the message. And oh, listen to me, heaven is going to be a wonderful place. But hell is going to be torment. Hell is going to be a place where there's no more sin. In hell is going to be a place where the, all of mankind that has rejected Christ will pay their own sin debt for all of eternity. Look with me in chapter number 20, uh, 21, verse number 27. And there shall be no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. That is what heaven's going to be like. There's no sin there. Sin has destroyed planet Earth. Behind all pain that we face is the curse of sin. My dad passed away, and I know many in this room, you've buried a, a parent prematurely, it seems. I know every child knows that one day they're going to bury their father. But honestly, at age 55, I thought to myself, God, there's so much more life left. We've, say, we've cried, we've sorrowed. When we had to bury Michelle's brother at age 32, we, we sorrowed. We renewed our devotion to the Lord. We turned to the Lord, though. We sought the Lord, and he took us and comforted us. And one of the comforts that we had is this fact that heaven is real. One of the comforts that we have when we lose someone to death is not only the fact that heaven is real, but that one day there's going to be no more sorrow in this place. Listen to me today. Don't let death cause you to get bitter with God. Sin has caused us such great sorrow. But God says that one day in heaven, he's going to take all of that sorrow away, all of that pain away, and he's going to allow us to be for all of eternity in a place that we are in his presence, and in his presence there is no more sin. There is no more sin in heaven. There is no more sorrow in heaven. Sin will be no more because the king rules in majesty in this place. Would you write this down? Number three, I find that John is writing of the glory of heaven. In Revelation chapter number 21, John writes in verse number nine, and there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of seven last plagues and talked with me saying, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. He showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her lights was like unto a stone most precious, even like jasper stone, clear as crystal. 
he goes on to tell us of these great walls and 12 gates. At the 12 gates, 12 angels. Now I know that this might really affect some of your thoughts of heaven, but Peter's not at the gate. He's not there. But there is here 12 angels and the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And the Bible tells us about these, these gates and he tells us about the beauty all down through verse number 21 about these walls and about the, the beauty. And I want you to see this, the source of the city in verse number 9 and 10, the source of the city comes down from God. Now, as we're going to move into and study this end times prophecy, we're going to get more into the new Jerusalem and talking about exactly what it is. But today I just simply bring this to our attention because I want you to see something. The source of this city comes down from God. The sights of the city. The Bible tells us in verse number 23, and that city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the lamb is the light thereof. The, the sights of the city, it shines with the glory of God. My wife and I, someone in our church took us to a concert on, on a, a Friday evening. And my goodness, I've never seen so many lights I mean, this thing had lights, it had fire, it had everything. It, it was an amazing thing. I said to my wife, we probably shouldn't have gone there on Friday because the Ball Brothers, they probably did a really good job, but compared to what we saw on Friday, it was like, you know, it was like a C-rated movie we saw, you know? And I like the Ball Brothers, don't get me wrong. But I thought about this. I thought about what heaven's going to be like when Jesus shines. There's no need for a son. Can you imagine the son isn't needed because Jesus Christ is there? Could you imagine what these walls are going to look like? Streets of gold, so pure that you can see through it. God's glory is going to be there. It all comes from him. The source of life in heaven is God. It comes down from God. The, the light is all there because of Jesus Christ. The brilliance of gold, the colors of heaven, the shimmering walls of the city. And all this to me, someone might say, why are there walls in the city? Is the walls there to keep people out? No. Because all those that rejected Christ, they've been cast in the lake of fire. Are the walls there as a prison to keep us in? No, no. The walls are there as monuments. Because on the walls are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, the names of the apostles. They're monuments of God's greatness. They're monuments of God's glory. And heaven is going to be a consistent reminder of God's majesty. It's going to be a consistent reminder of God's glory. Oh, the sounds of this city. Look with me in Revelation chapter number 15, just a few pages back. Please, Revelation 15. Look with me in verse number 3 of this. 
You say, why do you love to sing so much? And I'll show you why. Because in heaven, look with me in verse number three, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, great and marvelous are thy works. Lord God almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou king of saints. Oh, listen to me, the sounds of heaven are gonna be the sounds of singing, the sounds of rejoicing. You say, what is a song going to be? It's going to be the song of redemption. We're going to sing how great and how wonderful the Lamb of God is. Oh, listen to me, if you don't enjoy singing here on earth, I would just simply say this to you, you better start trying because when you get to heaven, all of heaven is going to rejoice in sing in the redemption of the Lamb. Oh, listen to me, I think we ought to start trying to sing a little bit better. I, I, I think it'd be okay as we're sitting here and thinking about heaven is somebody to raise a hand because, oh, listen to me, when we get to heaven, I believe all hands are going to be raised. I believe all voices are going to be raised. And if it be possible in our resurrected bodies, our feet will be raised too. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I believe this. If it can be raised, it is going to be raised as we sing to the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Glory to him, the song of redemption. The Bible tells us in verse 15 and 16 of verse number uh, chapter 21, the size of the city. Think about this, 1,500 miles in every direction. Up, down, over, east, west, north, 1,500 miles. You know what that tells me? There's room for you and me. There's room. There's room for Abby today. There's room, the two that'll be baptized next week. There's room for you and for me. Aren't you glad that there's room for he in heaven for you? Heaven is gonna be such a wonderful place. In verse number 22 and 23, this chapter, look there with me if you would please. Verse number 22 and 23, and I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Now, I can't wait to really get preaching on this and get into this study, but I want you to understand something. The Old Testament temple were, were, was only a picture of the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. In heaven, Jesus is going to be there. There's no need for a temple. Now, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, they had a gate, but Jesus said, I am the door. In the Old Testament tabernacle, there was an altar, but Jesus Christ shed his blood for us. In the Old Testament tabernacle, there was a lever, but we are cleansed by the word of God. In the Old Testament, there was a table of bread, but Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In the Old Testament, there was a golden candlestick, but Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In the Old Testament, incense was burned, but Jesus said, I am the high priest. It's Jesus that makes heaven. Heaven is where Jesus Jesus is. There's no need of a temple. There's no need of a tabernacle because Jesus Christ is our sanctuary. And it leads me to this last, the godliness of heaven. Look with me in verse number 24 of this chapter. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no more night there. 
and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall be in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. And look who's in heaven, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Who's going to populate heaven? Those that have received Jesus Christ. The humanitarian man says this, I've, I've, I've met the needs of others, but that's not enough to go to heaven. The moral man says, I've lived a good life, and the answer to him is, that's not enough to get to heaven. The religious man says, I've followed rituals, and I've obeyed commands, and it'll be said to him, that's not enough to get to heaven. And then the redeemed, those that have been blood-bought by the, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice that was made on the cross, those that have put their faith and trust in the finished work of the cross and believe that Jesus Christ rose again from the grave, they're going to stand there and they are going to be allowed into heaven. Why? Not because of what they've done for others. Not because of the life they live for themselves. Not because of religion that they have put their belief in and the rituals in. But simply because of the Lamb of God and those that have put their faith in Him. They are what is going to populate heaven. Oh, listen to me, church. Heaven is a wonderful place. It's real. It's majestic. It's a godly place. It's a place where God is. It's a place where there's no more sorrow. This past week, as I've ministered to so many that are hurting, I want to remind our church today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this sorrow you're experiencing is not it. The pain you're dealing in this life is not final. We have a home whose ruler and maker is God. Do you know him today? If you know him, then church, let's rejoice. I want you to stand with me, if you would, please, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I thought we'd do this for just a moment. I want to give you an opportunity to pray this morning. Maybe you're going through this season with sorrow. Maybe you, like our family, have just been to one too many funerals. You've buried someone that you love. I want to ask you to do this this morning, and we have all the time, don't worry. Because I, if you're saved today, but you're just enduring life right now and you're struggling, I want you to leave here rejoicing in heaven. I want you to leave here with your mind upon God. I want you to leave here knowing that the pain and the sorrow that you're dealing with now is just for a moment. 
because heaven's real. And heaven is majestic. And God is there. And healing is coming. And I want to invite you this morning. Maybe there's someone that you love that's there. And you say this, boy, I miss them. And when I think about them, it hurts. I sorrow. But today I'm going to learn to simply just rejoice in heaven today. How many of you would say this? There's someone that I love that I know is in heaven. I love him and I miss him. And at times it brings sorrow when I think of him because I miss him. But I'm thankful that they're in heaven. How many of you would say that? Just lift your hand across this room. And I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to come this morning and I just want you to pray. I want you to be encouraged today. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. If you raised your hand, I want you to come into this altar, maybe this front row. Would you just step out of your seat right now? And I want you to come to this altar. Maybe husband and wife, you need to come and pray. Maybe there's been a a child that you've buried. Maybe a parent, a sibling. And I want you to come here on purpose and I want you to rejoice. You say, why? Because Christmas season doesn't have to be suffering. Why? Because we have the promise of Jesus Christ. Just come. Church needs to be a place where we don't just come and and learn and leave. It needs to be a place where we leave our burdens with Christ. He said, if you leave them with me, I'll, I'll let you carry mine. Mine are easy. My burden is easy. Just leave them here at the altar today. Leave your pain here. Leave your suffering here. And just simply rejoice in heaven. It's real. It's majestic. It's godly. come there's still room there's some that are here praying and you take all the time that you need maybe you're there at your seat would you give me your attention please just for a moment and all those that are in this room right now would you ask this question will I spend eternity in heaven is that my home can I claim that promise is that my eternity Jesus said I go to prepare a place for you but how do I get there he says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ thou shalt be saved 
If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I, I, I want to make this as simple as possible. Jesus coming and dying wasn't simple. But I don't want you to complicate salvation with religion or with, with, with confusion. Salvation is this. I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. And God, I repent of that sin and I turn to you. I believe that Jesus Christ came and, and died on the cross. I believe that he shed his blood and his blood that he shed was the payment for your sin debt. if you call upon the name of the Lord the Bible says thou shalt be saved the most wonderful thing you can do today is receive that free gift of salvation Jesus the Bible tells us this for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son the greatest gift that humankind has ever been given and the greatest gift you can ever receive is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and if you are here today, recognize that you're a sinner. Repent of that sin and turn to Christ and trust Him as your Savior today. And heaven will be yours. But oh, listen to me. As glorious of the message of salvation and the gospel is, rejecting Jesus Christ is damnation is hell is torment for all of eternity and while you have breath here today choose Christ put your faith in him I wonder and I won't embarrass you but I wonder if there's one here today we as a church we are praying for you I promise you that you're in a room of people that care about your future. You're in a room, a future, where we care about your, your eternity. And we all want to lift our voices up to the King of Kings, and I want to look and see you there. And I want to give an opportunity for you to pray today and receive Christ as your Savior. And I wonder if there's one here today that you would say, I today want to receive Christ as my Savior. I want heaven. I want to be saved today. Would you please pray with me today? Is there one like that anywhere in this room? Would you raise your hand so I can see it? Just leave it there for just a moment. Is there one today that you would say, today I want to trust Christ as my Savior. I want to be saved. Is there one today? Church, Let's rejoice. Father in heaven, thank you for Abby today. What a great reminder to our church. There are still people that need to hear the gospel. There are still people that are trusting Christ as their Savior. There are still people that are giving their life to Jesus Christ. And Lord, we rejoice today with her and her family that she's a follower of Christ. She's a child of God. She's born again. Heaven is now her home. 
we rejoice in that. Thank you for letting us be just such a small part in this.